Welcome to the 501 Companion Podcast, an educational and news podcast slash podcast for 501c3 charitable organizations that want to create better content, optimize their technology, and improve their marketing to better serve their mission. This is episode number 25, the second show of 2022. I'm Buddy Sclera, the Chief Content Officer and the host of the 501 Companion Podcast. My career has been focused on digital marketing, social media, and emerging technologies like component content systems and NFTs. I'm also a professional comic book writer working and teaching the craft and business of making comics. Allow me to bring my guest host in. All right. My co-host for the 501 Companion podcast is the Chief Operating Officer at Family Promise, Sandra Minuti. She is a versatile nonprofit executive with 20 plus years of extensive experience in public relations, marketing, fundraising, and strategic planning. She's deeply committed to advancing a vibrant and healthy philanthropic marketplace in which charities can have the necessary skills and resources to solve our community's most pressing issues. Sandy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. This is your second episode as the as our, as our co-host. Are you excited? I'm very excited. First time we get to like interview somebody together. This will be yeah, fun. it's go- going to be great. So let me let me um let me bring Matt into the room with us, and as he's getting admitted, I'm gonna do a quick introduction. Our uh, our first guest together uh, is uh, Matthew Viola. He's the Vice President of Program Analyst Operations at Charity Navigator, the world's largest and most trusted nonprofit evaluator. He's also their longest tenured employee there with 19 years at Charity Navigator. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good morning, buddy. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning. Now, uh, this is, um, we're meeting for the first time, Matt, but I think you and Sandy go back uh, quite a ways. That's correct. We uh, worked at Charity Navigator in the early days for, for many years together. So we started, I think, like the same week and uh, went through training together and uh, really saw the organization evolve a whole lot over those years. And, and Matt continues to take the organization into the future and evolve the rating system and make it better. But yeah, we... We had a lot of laughs along the way. I saw Matt go from being a single guy to being a married guy to being a dad. Lots of change. Yeah, changes the organization, changes per, per, personally. Definitely. Yeah, Matt. So 19 years at any organization is uh, is definitely uh, a, a big achievement. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. The mission and the people have kept me there. And I, I truly believe in what we're doing at Charity Navigator and the people I work with are great. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. We're, we're changing changing the game and, and always uh, iterating and, and adding to our analysis and what we offer. And Matt, as um, you know, as uh, our listeners are coming in, they may not be aware of what Charity Navigator does. Can you give us the uh, the brief overview? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, our, our main mission is to make uh, impact, impactful giving easier for everyone. Um, we want to reach donors, whether they're giving, you know, five, ten, twenty dollars to, to thousands of dollars. Um, <clears throat> we also want to be a good, uh, um, you know, storyteller for great nonprofits and the great work that they're doing because there are so many of them. Um, but you know, that we believe that there wasn't enough information out there for donors to make intelligent decisions um, to uh, to do they wanted to take part in. And so um, we started the organization 
just a few people and um, we started radio organizations more and more over time. We're trying to broaden our analysis, but but we really want to guide giving um, to the most efficient, effective nonprofits and give good benchmarking to nonprofits, whether they're just starting out and, and they're not being graded yet, but they know sort of what to shoot for down the road. Yeah, that's terrific. Sandy, why don't you lead off? Because uh, you know Matt, and I'm sure you're going to know the answers to some of these questions that we started off with, but why don't you lead off? Yeah, I think that it's interesting to speak a little bit about your background. I get a lot of people asking me, um, I guess at this point in my life too, especially midlife, people are trying to change their careers and enter the nonprofit sector from the for-profit world, and they're not sure about how to go about doing that. And that's something that you did, right, when you joined Charity Navigators. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your career path? Yeah, sure. Um, went to college for, for finance um, as a major and uh, assumed I'd have a long career on Wall Street. Um, I did start there. Uh, I was with a, a Wall Street investment firm for a few years out of college. Um, I did enjoy it, but um, I realized very quickly, you know, the different aspects of that sort of work uh, weren't for me. Um, and I wasn't sure where I was going to head next. Um, and uh, I got extremely lucky um, by stumbling across this job ad for a small startup nonprofit um, uh, close to home, too, which sort of helped. <laughs> I didn't have to travel to Manhattan anymore. Um, but uh, it sounded really interesting because I could use my financial skills uh, in a different sector and something that, you know, I always felt um, charity is important, um, but I never thought it would be a career necessarily. And I do recommend a lot of people. I would mean, recommend to anyone who's in for-profit that there's a lot of great jobs in the nonprofit sector, a lot of interesting work, um, and also you know your skills can can translate very easily. And some nonprofits are really um, in need of skills like marketing, finance, um, uh, all that type of stuff outside of even fundraising. Uh, and so uh, you know I joined this organization. It was a big chance. I went to a big, well-known Wall Street firm to a small uh, New Jersey nonprofit. Um, but, you know, the mission was so unique in that, um, you know, we're a national scope. Uh, I'm not sure I would have went necessarily right out of um, Wall Street to an organization that maybe did direct services. This was really interesting because it was definitely something I could use my financial analysis skills that I learned in the for-profit sector, um, in the nonprofit sector, and affect, you know, giving nationally. And um, the idea of just trying to push the envelope to make uh, charities more transparent and efficient over time um, sounded great. And I just did feel a need that, um, you know, I could help out uh, with all the tools I had and, and try something in a new arena. And I guess it stuck and I enjoyed it because now 19 years later, I'm still at the same organization, still in this sector. Yeah, I think it was a, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Sandy. You, you I was go. just going to say it was a really unique experience that we had at the start because it was a startup. It was a startup website, digital media, and, but it was also a nonprofit. And we were like, you know, coming in and raiding charities and really disrupting the, the marketplace, the philanthropic marketplace. It was very exciting, even though really what we were doing at the end of the day was typing in numbers into a database. But the impact of the work that we were doing was pretty cool. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what I what's more stark is in the beginning, there was a lot of pushback um, from the sector and individual nonprofits. And over my years there, I went from seeing nonprofits sort of being very, uh, you know, they didn't want any part of what we we're doing. I thought we'd go away eventually. Um, so now they come to us saying, how do we get rated? What do we have to do to get rated? And so it was interesting to see that. But I think they realized that donors were coming more savvy. They want more information and they're maybe not just going to give because they're asked. They're going to do some homework. You know, Matt, you had mentioned uh, you came 
from Wall Street, from a big uh, firm experience there in Wall Street. What did you learn at Wall Street that has actually carried through your entire career, not just the immediate influence when you first started, but has carried through these 19 years? Wow, that's a good question. I don't think I've ever been asked before. So, uh, but I mean, I think um, right at the top of my head, like data matters, uh, information matters. And I think, you know, there's a ton of that in the for-profit sector and it's very timely in the for-profit sector. And the nonprofit sector seems to lag a bit in the, the amount of data and information out there, as well as the timeliness of it. Um, now I get it, you know, they're doing a lot of important work and maybe the bookkeeping and the data comes towards the end of their checklist and things they need to get done. Um, but I think, you know, people make decisions based on that. And, um, you know, that's part of Charity Navigator's thing, especially in the early days, was saying, you know, almost treat it like an investment. You know, you're going to do research before you pick a mutual fund, uh, do some research before you pick a charity. And so I, I think data, um, you know, making it available is something that I think affects you know all sectors including my old work and, and my current work. No, oh, that that's a super great point, isn't it, Sandy? And and I think you had mentioned that as well, that data um, can be used to guide decisions um, and data can be misleading, um, but it can help you if you understand how to use data. Isn't that right, Sandy? Yeah, hundred percent. I think something that um, those of us working in the nonprofit sector and donors don't always acknowledge is that there's a million nonprofits in America. Yeah. I mean, that's just a huge number. And so, um, you know, we want to lead with our heart, but then you want to have the data to prove that that nonprofit you're interested in supporting is really having the change in the world that you want to see. Um, and I think, you know, the work that Matt does at Charity Navigator really helps to bring more confidence to donors so that hopefully we can give more money, bring more money into the sector, and we can have more resources to tackle all these challenges that we face. But that's, that's really interesting. Matt, <laughs> how has the uh, the rating system uh, and the collection of data evolved since you and Sandy started uh, in, this, um, in this business? Yeah, greatly in, in many ways, both in what we do and how we do it. Um, the early days, you know, we, uh, the early founders and uh, CEO and whatnot of Cherry Navigator um, realized this is what we wanted to do, but how do we get the data? So um, thankfully, the IRS makes the 990 uh, by federal law available, if you ask. Um, and it was crazy in those early days, we used to go to actually send letters to nonprofits saying, send us your last three 990s. Because um, at that point, they weren't as readily available. Um, and some would push back and say, well, it's federal law, you have to give it to us. So we get data, we'd manually enter 990 data and sift through pages of 990s um, to get the information. Then thankfully, the IRS started making this available on DVDs, believe it or not, that you'd pay and they'd mail out on a monthly basis. So somewhere in the basement of Charity Navigator, there's stacks of DVDs. Um, and um, then now, more recently, they put that data on the on the website that you could just clean it more easily. Um, and with e-filing becoming more e-filing and non becoming more prevalent and actually mandatory, uh, that makes everything easier. And then also on more internally, Charity Navigator started out with only measuring some financial metrics, and that was it. And um, you know, we had to make clear to donors, hey, this is only a small part of the picture. Um, and over time, we're going to grow uh, our analysis. But you know, it's important to have those sort of core. Uh, financial uh, stability efficiency metrics in place. Um, then we started looking at more governance practices and transparency practices. Um, and we went from seven metrics to 24 metrics. Uh, 
And then more recently in the past two years, in order to scale the number of charities we raise and get, you know, a little bit wider, broad um, swath of information, we've sort of what we call the compass rating system, which is now going to look at stuff way beyond things we've ever looked at before and hopefully get at that, you know, impact results piece, as well as uh, internal leadership uh, and culture and community of the organization. Um, so we're adding metrics um, constantly now and, and really trying to build on what we started and, and go beyond um, just, you know, those core metrics. It's pretty cool. And I, you know, for me personally, I took that then into my career now at Family Promise, and we developed a set of what we call, so we have affiliates out in the field, 200 of them. We have what we call affiliate health metrics. So I score all the Family Promise affiliates on this set of metrics that look at their finances, their fundraising, their governance, their programmatic outcomes. And then we don't publicize that, but then I work, my team works with the affiliate if they're scoring low in an area to help level them up, give them templates, tools, training, whatever it is that they need so that they can improve. But I think what Matt is speaking to is a nonprofit needs to have this holistic, they have to have everything firing. It can't just be great finances or great fundraising or a meaningful mission. You know, it all has to come together to really be effective. That's pretty amazing, and I think that the uh, the intelligent way that you've used data, Sandy, has helped your charity, uh, Family Promise, to be a a four star rated charity. I remember uh, you were telling us it's that like nine years in a row, Matt, or something. Maybe you don't know off the top of your head, <laughs> but yeah, we're pretty proud of that. What's it feel like, Sandy, to be a, a, a four star rated charity? What is it? What is the what does it mean to you as a charity leader? It's super important because it validates our work. Um, My team works really hard and it's great to know that that's recognized externally. And of course, it's super meaningful for us when we're talking with corporate um, partners and individual donors, you know, it gives them that sense of confidence that, you know, we're a safe bet for their their philanthropic investment. So it's, it's really, really critical to the work that we do. And Matt, out, out, you know, out in the wider market, obviously, you, you know, a lot of people in charities. Are, are you aware of the massive responsibility of Charity Navigator? And does that drive you every every day uh, when you when you get in to do work? Yes, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, we have to be very uh, careful what we're doing. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of checks and balances in place. We can't just put up a rating and say, whoops. Um, so we have a lot of quality control up front to make sure that uh, before we put up that rating, uh, we stand behind it and it's accurate. Um, but yeah, like Sandy was saying, it's it's a great, you know, third-party validator. I mean, uh, organizations use, um, you know, our stamp of approval in a lot of ways. Um, we have over 11 million people visit unique visitors to our website a year. Um, Over $130 million have been given through our website to the charities. Um, And so people are looking and, you know, to to say that, uh, you know, we've been vetted. uh, And if you're a nonprofit, say we've been vetted by, you know, third party independent source, uh, it means a lot. And um, so, yeah, we take that to heart and we know, uh, you know, we love the stories of uh, hearing about how important it is and how excited people are to get that letter from us that they got our first stamp of approval. Yeah, it's definitely brought new donors into our organization because they go to the website, they go to Cherry Navigator, they're looking for a group that does the kind of work that we do and they find our four-star rating there and then they give us a call and they you know, want to get to know us more, but it's definitely brought a lot more people to, to our organization. 
And I think, you know, donors, there's so many choices. Like Sandy said, there's over a million nonprofits, many of which are doing the same type of work. And so, you know, donors are just inundated with asks. And um, sometimes they might either have donor fatigue or just not know where to start. And so that's what we like to do also, sort of break it down and make it a little easier for them to make those decisions and not feel as, as lost and, and who to choose and afraid they're going to choose wrongly. What would you say are like five things that charities should do to instill confidence in their work and help them, you know, raise the money that they need from the public? Hmm. Um, For three or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I comment. I I mean, so, you know, what charity navigators always stood behind is just transparency, as much transparency as possible. Um, You know, even when there are difficult times or there's a minor scandal, which is rare, which I should point out that like the great thing about what we've found in our work is that the vast majority of this industry is doing the right thing. They are efficient. They are accountable and transparent. Um, And even, um, you know, outside of sort of the metrics we do, we're always scanning the news to make sure there's no, you know, scandals that turned up yesterday and in the news today. And, And that's also very rare. I mean, there's only, that's called our advisory system. And there's about 400 advisors up on our site currently. I mean, that's again, out of a million charities now. Maybe we're not catching everything, but we do a pretty far scan of, of that information. So, um, you know, organiz- donors want to know what's going on. And like I said, they even forgive mistakes or missteps if, if you're clear about what happened and you're taking corrective action. Um, that's something even the, the IRS deems on the 990 that if you uh, list that you had something go wrong, you should put, you know, what happened, when it happened and, and what your corrective action is. So uh, transparency is key. And I think the other thing would be, you know, I come back to it a lot, but it's sort of the hard data, like, you know, the nice pictures that you put on your annual report are great, but, you know, donors really want to see how you're moving the needle on the cause that, that you're trying to, to further and, uh, you know, really get a, some, some nitty gritty information about, about how you're making a difference. And also, uh, that, yeah. That's such great insight about transparency and, and coming uh, forward. If, if there's a mistake made, right, charities are, 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 are people. Right, they're just employees uh, trying to do their best, and sometimes they don't. Uh, do you recall any charities, and you don't even have to name them, Matt, that had stumbled and then recovered uh, because uh, they just had a good way of addressing the situation? Yes, definitely. Um, probably be hard to give too much detail without giving some away. Probably be able to figure out. Like you said, I probably wouldn't want to give names, but. Um, you know, I mean, there's anything from some leadership turmoil where, you know, they they, they clear house and they sort of start anew and, and get their house in order um, to maybe some accounting checks and balances weren't there um, and, you know, something went wrong and then they fix that. Uh, so we've definitely seen that. And then the nice thing that I think we do is we sort of give the opportunity. So it's not like a one and done, like there's opportunity for our rating to change over time, even multiple times in a year. If they realize, hey, we missed some information or our 990 needs to be amended, um, we allow for that. And then when we get that amended 990, we'll, we'll update the rating accordingly. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely cases where organizations have, you know, misstep, but course correct, and that's fine. Um, especially if you're a donor and you want to have a long-term relationship with the organization, you know, that could happen. And, um, you know, like you said, uh, mistakes happen, but, you know, if you're upfront about it and you have a good way of, of correcting it, you know, I think uh, donors will stick with you and that's fine. What's advice that you would give to donors? Um, so I think that they have to 
So that, the one thing that we find is, um, you know, we want more information and we want to go back beyond some of the data sources that we've had in the past. Um, but to do that, the, the, the nonprofits themselves, now I know they're extremely busy, but they have to, you know, play along a little bit too and provide more information to us or, or you know, we're trying to partner as much as possible because we don't want to force a nonprofit to give us data they're already giving someone else. So we do a charity that we have to try to partner with other organizations that may be already getting that information elsewhere. Um, but I would say that, you know, donors should make clear that, um, you know, they're not going to do it just because they ask and they should push the nonprofits to, uh, you know, share information uh, to organizations like Charity Navigator or provide information themselves about um, beyond what their, you know, uh, annual report might say or, you know, high level stuff, you know, really down to the detailed information about, you know, what they're doing. But, uh, you know, it's important without the... The donor money, the charities won't uh, get too far. So donors have a lot of say in this and a lot of stake in the game. It's a good point. I always think too that um, donors have a responsibility as well once they've vetted a charity to trust the charity and not get obsessed about salaries and, and different pieces of how the, the nonprofit operates. Um, you know, when you start to handcuff them and tell them they can only spend your donation on this program or that program, that can really impede the, the work of the nonprofit. So I think it's it's super critical to have that relationship and to vet the organization, but then really trust them to do good work with, with your money and let them, you know, make sure they report that back to you, but not to get into the weeds of telling them how to operate, which yeah. some of these donors like to do, which I understand. But. Right. Now that's a great point. Yeah. Like, you know, unrestricted gifts, things like that. You want to make sure that they have some room to do what they think is best because they know best. It's true. And I agree with the salaries. I mean, that's a, a thing that we've, you know, I hear that all the time from donors and we try to uh, move that conversation to, you know, don't focus on, you know, just how much, I mean, you know, they're doing great work and some of these organizations are, are decent size and very complex and you should be competitive with your salaries to hire, you know, quality people to, to do this work because it's important work. You know, Sandy and Matt, for both of you, um, uh, imagine a charity listening here on how they can improve uh, or maximize their impact, um, and they get that question. I'll, I'll go to you uh, first, uh, Matt. How, how should a charity position their response uh, to a donor who is challenging salaries, for example? Uh, I think it's all, you know, you got to put it in perspective. Um, I think one, you know, at Charity Navigator, we make sure that uh, they do have policies in place, specifically with CO compensation. There is a case to, you know, there is this best practice to say, hey, we, we compare our salaries to like size and uh, mission organizations and make sure they're comparable. Um, but really, you know, I think... Um, as long as they're clear about uh, the work they're doing, how they came up with this, um, but yeah, they have to move that conversation beyond just the dollar amount, and um, you know, make it clear that uh, where the money's going and how it's you know uh, being used towards the mission. Because uh, a lot of people get it wrong too; they think that certain people are only doing certain things. Um, but like a CEO might be paid a good salary, but they might be doing fundraising, running a program or two, running all the uh, you know financial. Uh, you know, spreadsheets and the background stuff and, and all that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of work and uh, they should be paid accordingly. And like I said, we don't want to lose all our best people to the for-profit sector because we can't provide a good wage. 
Yeah, I have this conversation quite often in my role, um, speaking with boards out in the field and why they should be paying the executive directors well. Um, you don't want your executive director working an extra 40 hours a week so they can pay their rent. I mean, especially for an organization like ours, where we're trying to deal with family homelessness and the housing affordability issue, um, you want your executive director to be able to focus 100% on the work that they're doing at your organization. And it's really expensive to lose great talent. You have to to find somebody new and train them and get them up to speed and all that. So that's a conversation I usually have with board members who are donors as well. And then some of our funders have been giving us money to um, pass through to our affiliates for them to do programmatic work. And they want to know that, you know, 100 percent of the money is being written out in checks to the families that we work with. And my role is to help them understand, no, I have to have the case manager there. and We got to pay for the case manager because they're helping those families find the services that they need. They're, they're helping them deal with the trauma of what they're experiencing. And we have data that shows having the case manager with the money together is really the most effective approach at getting families stably housed long-term. So yeah, we have this conversation a lot in, in the sector. And I think it's important for nonprofits to tell their donors the story of why this person's salary is important and show them the data. What's the outcome? How does this person you know, make us more effective? You know, Matt, I, you know, Sandy, touched on this uh, in the last episode when we were speaking, uh, and I was wondering if you could address how data can be used um, to mislead as well. And also the, this concept that, you know, the numbers don't lie. Well, numbers lie all the time. You know, the numbers don't lie. It's how you position them. Um, can you talk a little bit about organizations and how they can be as transparent and honest as possible with the numbers and why that is important for the donors? Yeah, I mean, that's true. I feel like you see a lot in, uh, you know, politics and stuff, somebody saying, oh, you know, GDP is this, so things are good or vice versa. Numbers are you know, unemployment, whatever. You can sort of spin the numbers in any way you can. Um, you know, there is some hard data on finances that I think that, um, you know, if you have a good accountant and your books are accurate, that they're going to be correct and, and they do mean a lot. Um, but, you know, part of Charity Navigator's, you know, future here and what we've been working on the last couple of years is to get beyond that. So we do want to show some core uh, hard data numbers, but we do want to get more into sort of the storytelling and, and go beyond um, that and sort of really tell the, organ you know, a holistic approach to the organization. Um, because, yeah, I mean, we get it. There's there's uh, ways to sort of make the numbers maybe look a little better than they are, vice or they could look worse than they really are, depending. Um, so that's sort of our approach to go beyond that and have a lot of, and we do weighting. So our new system is weighted accordingly. Um, and, you know, right now, like impact and results is, is weighted more than the other things, uh, even finances. So like you have to have good finances, but, you know, the impact in the road is more important. Um, so I think that's one way of, of sort of changing the conversation and also ensuring that, you know, uh, numbers that look one way or another and certain, you know, for a few metrics aren't going to totally uh, mislead or even change our rating. We're sort of trying to focus on what's really important. But again, getting that data is, is sort of uh, harder. That's sort of why a lot of people focus on some of those harder numbers and financial ratios because that's a little bit more easily accessible. But we're trying to push the industry here to try to navigate it to get more of that other information out because it's as important or more important. 
Yeah, I think it's like outputs and outcomes, right? Like I can count the number of people that we serve each year. And so maybe it goes up, maybe it goes down. What does that really mean? But what we really want to see is outcomes. Like how have we helped people long-term or how have we improved the environment long-term or whatever the issue is, it's it's that more long-term data, which is hard to get. Um, So I think, you know, all of us donors and nonprofits, it's easier to look at that short-term data and say, oh, okay, you serve more people this year. That's good. But that may not be meaningful. So getting to the outcomes, I think is something that the sector is really trying to make easier for nonprofits. So, Sandy, did we cover everything that you wanted to cover today with Matt? I think so. Are you guys still growing at Charity Navigator? Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is kind of, I just uh, was talking to the CEO the other day about it, and I said, this is unbelievable, because we're 30 employees, and wow. Sandy, you remember we were, what, six? Five, five six, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, um, definitely growing by what we do and staff, which is great, Um and I guess, you know, I'm a, I'm a dinosaur now, but uh, um, hopefully that's a, a good thing for them. So I can keep, uh, keep telling them, make sure we don't make mistakes we made in the past uh, kind of thing and, and keep moving forward. And yeah, it's been uh, been a wild ride and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the work we've done and I'm really proud of how we've moved the needle. And I think there's a lot more information out there about the nonprofits um, than there ever been before. And it is more easily accessible because of us pushing pushing that a little more for the sector. Great. Good luck with the growth. Yeah, thanks. So, Matt, as um, as we um, come to a close of the show, where can people find Charity Navigator and where's the best place for people to reach you? It could be social media, LinkedIn. Uh, why don't you tell people uh, where to find Charity Navigator and yeah. where to find you? Well, the easiest is uh, charitynavigator.org, um, and uh, you'll come right to our homepage where you'll have uh, a lot of um, resources, including all our ratings. Um, and I think that's another thing that separates us and that's kept us going is our, our ease of use. You could get some information. You could drill down uh, very much if you want, or you could just sort of get a quick couple of ratings and move on uh, with your day. Uh, the charitynavigator.org is our website. Uh, we're also very busy on social media. Um, of course, nowadays, Facebook, Twitter um, as well. And um, I could be reached through the through the website as well. Our, our contact information is there. Um, and we offer a lot of tools and resources for nonprofits as well. You know, there's information there for them and, and they could use our site for benchmarking purposes and, um, you know, see how they can improve uh, based on what we're looking at. And it's free, right? It's all free. Oh, yes. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that was a core of our founder. Um, he wanted to, well, obviously we can't charge people we rate because that would be a bit of a conflict. So, uh, but our, our uh, website has been completely free since the start. And um, yeah, we're a nonprofit ourselves. So that's the other plug is, uh, you know, if you like our work, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. So you could make a tax deductible donation to Charity Navigator as well via our website. And Sandy, how about you? Where can they find your the organization that you lead and where can they find you? Um, my organization is Family Promise and our website is familypromise.org. And uh, likewise, we have um, a really amazing communication team that's very active on Instagram and all those places. I think we have a TikTok channel now or something too. That's not my area. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Sandra Manuti and also on LinkedIn at Sandra Manuti. 
Oh, that's super. Um, and you can find um, our website at the 501c3lookup.org. Uh, and you can find me everywhere at Buddy Scalera, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the places. Not TikTok, though, Sandy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not TikToking. Uh, so thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today and Sandy uh, for leading the conversation. And to you, our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the 501 Companion Podcast and consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. If you have any questions, show ideas, or part of a charitable organization that wants to be on the show, visit the 501c3lookup.org website. You'll find our contact information, a complete list of our previous episodes, and of course, the extensive and free resources of the 501c3lookup.org website. Thank you for joining us on the 501 Companion Podcast. We hope you join us again next week for the information and inspiration to take your charitable mission to the next level.